This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. This program is sponsored by New Zealand Bridge, sponsors of Grassroots Bridge across the nation. Welcome to the Bridge Zone. You're at the table with Barry and Mariana. Did you have a late New Year's? We were getting our hay in again on New Year's Eve. We didn't have so many bales, so this year we weren't coming over the hill with the last load of hay as the New Year came in. You'll be pleased to get it all in in daylight. Oh, that almost sounds romantic. <laughs> it isn't, let me tell you. <laughs> See that there's the end of year reports have been up and posted on New Zealand Bridge, so we can talk about that later on. You've had yes. some money sitting in an account. What are you doing? There's two things. One, I've got a TOB account, and our friend Nigel has been betting on it and losing money. So <laughs> today I got a letter from BBO telling me that I had $5 something in, in BBO dollars in my account. So I had a couple of games. You can play in like a game for a dollar, and if you finish in the top, Three, I think you get some money back. You can even make money. How long has it been sitting there? According to the record, it said I hadn't played a game since 2014, Mariana. Did you get any interest on that money? <laughs> no, there was no interest, I'm sad to say. If you think you're going to get rich on BBO dollars, you'll be sadly disappointed. The New Year's Pairs is coming up for Auckland. Yeah, so no master points for that, I see. They are going to have prices, $10 a night to play in that. You're going to play the first night? That's right. You're looking after the grandies. They arrive Wednesday, swap over time. Okay, now everybody's waiting, Mariana. Everybody knows you're going to Papatoe to play in the Christmas tournament. And the Blue Falcon was travelling to Auckland and every night. Did you manage to accumulate any demerit points on the way up and back? Don't be silly. No, don't do any of that rubbish. But it was good. You had a carload of bridge players every night? We all sat down for about 20 minutes odd. Cold drinks and nibbles and off we went. Pretty cool. Didn't set the house on fire up there very. Hey, I'll tell you what. I was involved in my very first appeal. Oh, really? If only Judge Julie had been there. That's a question that I'm going to raise with the judge. I'll tell you what. Never been involved in an appeal in my life. And I don't really have a long bridge playing life. The director comes up. He says, the appeals committee is going to go and meet in the corner. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I didn't know anything about it next minute the director comes up and he goes will are you coming and i was like where to the appeals don't you want to come in i said oh am i on the committee what because he said committee and i'm like oh they must have designated people to go and do that it's obviously not me tell me about that because i have no idea just because you're involved in the appeal does that mean that you're instantly on the committee no, you're not on the committee. The committee is there to make a decision. So what happens is the director comes to somebody's table and makes a ruling. The pair that are ruled against, or even the pair that are ruled for, for that, have the right to appeal. If they feel they haven't been fairly treated, they can appeal to the appeal committee. That is a group of people the director will, will select from the players there that are of at least the standard of the people that are playing. Usually that's, say, three or four people. They're the jury. They sit there, the director comes in, and he tells them what happened. And then at that point, both peers will get an opportunity to present their case. It's just like being in court, Mariana. (laughs) 
Thanks, Barry. The appeals committee, they may ask some questions of the players if, if they think it's yep. going to help them. Then the other pair will get a chance to present their case. And then at the end of that, both of those pairs will go the way. The appeals committee will discuss it and they'll make a decision. So, well, I'll let Judge Julie have the final say on what happened. But yeah, it was pretty intense. Yeah. yeah. It got pretty heated at our table, I can tell you that. Yeah, well, it, that can easily happen. And that's one of the joys of being director is trying to cool everybody down. Mm. And you can't use a bucket of cold water, Mariana, although at the moment I'll be all in favour of it. Well, the funny thing was, Barry, was that the heat wasn't actually between myself and my partner. It was, it was between the opposition. And that was the weirdest thing. Let's have a chat about the Baited Wilson. The Baited Wilson is for the player that accumulates the most eight points in the calendar year from the 1st of January to the 31st of December. New Zealand only, so those ones you win in Australia, they don't count. Ah. Well, I've got the top four for the men's and women's. You ready? I am. So, drum roll for the men's. Mike Weir, 304, followed up with Jack James, 261. Then Jeremy Fraser-Hostings, 235. And then Gayo, does at 229. So, congratulations to Jeremy Fraser-Hoskin, I understand. Yes. Well done. So, Jeremy's made it to Grandmaster. He's just made it before the last day of 2021. A reason to remember 2021. In Jeremy's case, it'll be the day that he got to 1,000 master points, including 500 or more A points. Get you to yeah. Grandmaster. Well done, Jeremy. And on the other side, on the ladies, Kate Davies, 187.24. Anna Colmer, there we go, representation of our area barrier, 166.76. Andy Bowie, 158.76, and Joe Simpson, 158.76. So two Waikato Bays people in the ladies. How cool is that? It's great. Kate's won it before, of course. It's a lot of bridge. I know Arnold did a lot of bridge. It seems like a lot of bridge, especially considering how many tournaments have been cancelled this year. To get that many A points is a huge achievement. Get your gumboots on. We're going down to the pond with Kermit. Phenomena. Good morning, Kermit, and Happy New Year to you. Oh, Happy New Year to you both. Okay, so this week's subject is my subject. I want to talk about gloating. I'm sure we've all been on the receiving end of somebody who's a gloater, and maybe some of us have gloated when we shouldn't have. Have you got a story to tell, Pam? We talked last week, this is probably what we'd be talking about, and I was just thinking about it this morning about gloating, and I think it all comes under the heading of gamesmanship. There's a whole lot of gamesmanship things that go on, and gloating is one of them. I think that the chief aim of gloating is to make your opponents feel not very good, isn't it? And do people know that they're doing it? My pet hate with gloaters is the ones that the dummy gloats when the defenders misdefend and say, well done, partner, when they don't actually do anything good. The defenders get it wrong. Not that that ever happens to me. I mean, when I've watched other tables. (laughs) Of course. It's something that we don't get taught, do we? When we do bridge lessons, it's not really high on the list of what you teach people is that gloating is something that you don't do. Because we're adults and surely in our lives we would have learned that sort of thing that you do, isn't it? That's true. The other thing is that you talk about gloating because you want to make the opponents feel bad, but it's the, the end of the hand. 
It's too late. You don't want them feeling bad now. You wanted them well, feeling bad before they got there. You're supposed to have your opponents leave your table feeling really good, aren't you? Because then they can go and smash up your actual opponents. Yeah, but when it's um, board one of a 12-board match, that might be a different thing. <laughs> yeah, but if you're just playing in a pairs event, and this is the second out of two boards, we don't want them to go away arguing with each other, and we want them to be happy, smiling, and full of the joys of living. Or... We could all just play the cards that's in front of us and not get into all that kind of BS. <laughs> oh, I don't know if you're going to get that one through. People have got too much to say. Some people maybe don't realise they're gloating. The person who says, well done, Pat, when the defence has just made a huge stuff up, might not have even noticed. But I tell you what, the defenders will have. <laughs> But maybe they were thinking, oh, gosh, probably should have been one light. And look, you've made it. Maybe they haven't actually thought about how it would feel to the opponent. That was a tight one. Is that what you meant to say? Well, I don't know. But I do know there are some people out there that make a habit of trying to wind their opponents up. I think oh. if the defence have just stuffed up and let your partner make something, I would say absolutely nothing. <laughs> As dummy, your partner as the clearer does do something really nice on defence, plays a hand really well, in plays the opponents or gets something right or does a squeeze. I mean, a, a nice little quiet, oh, nicely played partner, I think is pretty appropriate. And I tend to find that when that happens, the defenders quite often join in and say, yes, that was really well done, even though they've got a bad board. That's totally fine. If you say nicely played partner, but if you turn around and say, yeah, take that. <laughs> That's not going to help. So do you think a high five across the table is gloating? Yes. It is a little bit contextual, though, because if you're playing against your friends, I would be away from the high fives, personally. Playing against friends, I might have made the odd inappropriate comment that I think's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. Couldn't doubt. <laughs> Just sit there quietly. That will explain all those inappropriate comments she's made to me over the years, Mariana. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's only to friends. <laughs> well, I'll have to put my hand up because I have high five, but this was many years back at my very first Congress, and I was a junior. It was a very tough board, and we made it, and we just like, whoop, whoop. And high five. Well, you know what? My brother-in-law is a really neat guy, and his attitude to life is take everything as a compliment. No matter what it is, take it as a compliment. <laughs> and if someone gloats against you and is just very pleased that they got a good board, take it as a compliment because they obviously think you're a tough opponent. There we go. Take everything as a compliment. That sounds commendable. There's probably occasions when it's hard. Bit of a stretch to see some things as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe what we're trying to say is whether it's a high five or whether it's some sort of comment, just give a little bit of thought how that's going to feel to your opponent. Yes, right. and actually to your own reputation, to your own table presence, not very professional. I'm just giving a bit of thought to my reputation. I'm not quite sure that. <laughs> well, that goes. could be a topic for another day. <laughs> okay, maybe next week. Join us next week at the Lily Pad with Pam Livingston, Bridge Coach. See you. Phenomena. Coming up next, we're heading off to the courthouse. Director, please. How can I help? Judge Julie presiding. Good morning and Happy New Year, Judge Julie. Yeah, Happy New Year to everyone out there. Well, it's not that happy. Mariana's taken a bit of a bad turn in life. She's involved in her very first appeal the other day. 
Judge Julie. So Mariana and her partner had an auction and they failed to alert one of their birds. The opponents asked about it and were given a wrong explanation. Things got worse from there. (laughs) (laughs) No surprise. Mariana wasn't sure. One of the things is when you're declarer, whether you should say that a wrong explanation has been given and when you're defending, whether you should say whether a wrong explanation has been given. So first of all, there's a wrong explanation given. If you are the declaring side, you should correct the explanation before the opening letter is made after the option has had three passes. And the reason for that is because if you correct the explanation your partner is given at that time, so if you are dummy or declarer, and seriously, you don't have to be declarer. You can be dummy. And it is really, really important at this stage that you do correct any problem here because it will make a big difference to you. So if you're a dummy or declarer, you correct the explanation. You can do that because only one of you is playing the hand and the other person is going to see your hands. Your partner's going to find out what you've really got really, really quickly if you're dummy. If you are defending and you correct the explanation at that point, you are going to tell your partner what you've got in your hand. And there is nowhere that we are allowed to tell partner what we have got in our hand when they have got it wrong. The easy thing to remember about the bridge laws is it's about the information that you've been given that you should not have got. If you are dummy and you correct it, declare is not getting any advantage. They're going to see dummy and they're going to play it. If you are a defender and you correct it, your partner's going to know something about your hand they did not know until you corrected it. So if you are a defender, you have to wait until the end of the hand. It is really important. The actual appeal itself, Julie, the appeal yep. process, this is Mariana's maiden voyage and, and on an appeal <laughs> committee. She knew nothing about the procedure. The director said the appeal committee will meet over there and Mariana didn't realise she was meant to go or whatever. I mean, I guess anybody that's being involved in their first appeal, they have no idea of what the procedure is. I was lucky in that I went on to appeals as a director first. Now, I must admit that from my point of view as a director, it was a terrifying experience, but I wasn't personally invested in the outcome. So a lot of us, we don't go to appeal. Even really good players very often prefer not to appeal because it is a stressful process. And what it is, is that the director doesn't always make the right decision. What we do as a director is we poll players about what we think would have happened. So in this situation here, the problem is which suit the opponent would have led if everything had been alerted appropriately during the auction. And there is always a chance that they may have. And if you have failed to do something perhaps that you should have, or you've misdescribed something, then any doubtful points are ruled in favour of the opposing side. And the director often doesn't know or is uncertain or doesn't have the same bridge experience as the people playing at the table. And so they might not feel in a position where they can choose what is going to happen next. So we poll people to find out. And because it's based on judgment, it can be appealed. The appeal committee are going to look at the facts, they're going to look at what was said and what wasn't said, and they're going to decide how likely they think that something different 
might have happened. And the problem here is because the explanation wasn't corrected before the opening leaders made, is that something different might have happened. If you'd corrected the explanation before the opening lead was made, then everyone would have known what was going on, and that result would have stood in the particular situation that you had, as you described. I captained a woman's team, and we had an appeal, and it was really critical. I said to the people that were going into the appeal, very simply, work on the basis you've lost it because you invest a lot of emotion and a lot of time and then you have to get up the next day and play more bridge. And it can be really hard. And I had an appeal where I think Barry Jones was on the appeal committee and Patrick Carter was the director. And to this day, I do not agree with them. And I will never forget that. So it can have long-term effects on you. He's a matriarch, Barry. I mean, appeals can happen at the club. Like for a lot of our listeners, they'll never be within 100 miles of a tournament appeal committee. But appeals happen at the club or they can happen and do happen. It's pretty much the same process, Julie? Well, I mean, generally we poll people. The club might have a process where they have an adjudicator, sort of like our chief tournament director, who at Congress will be a referral point. But decisions still can be appealed. A decision in law can't be overturned by an appeal committee, but a decision based on judgment can be. Having said that, because of the polling process, we actually have a fair idea that the ruling we're making is probably close to being correct, more so than we used to. So there aren't as many appeals nowadays as there used to be, but certainly it is part of the process of justice that we can appeal. One of the things that I sort of didn't think about was when they said that there's an appeals committee and they're meeting in the corner, I actually thought, okay, well, normally they would probably meet behind closed doors and I wouldn't be a part of that. But when I was then said, aren't you coming? I was like, well, why do you want my two cents while you guys are going to deliberate over this? So I was quite surprised that I was able to listen to what other people's thoughts and it made it hard because I wanted to input and I didn't really want to do that. The process is the people that are appealing will state why they are appealing. The appeal committee will try to determine the facts, exactly what was said and what was done at the table. And if everyone has agreed on those facts, and then they will determine what your system is, for example, if there's been an explanation or a misexplanation, misbit or all the various things that can happen, to determine what actually went wrong. And then they will try to judge about what might have happened afterwards. So the people appealing get their say, the people that had the ruling in their favour can respond or say what they think about what was going on. And then the appeal committee generally will retire to discuss it. And then they will make the decision and someone will come and tell you later. If you're on the back foot, the appeal committee under the laws of bridge have a responsibility to resolve any doubtful points in favour of the non-offending side. So if you'd called the director at the point where you knew that your partner had given a wrong explanation or no explanation or no alert or whatever went on, at that point, then things would have taken a completely different path. And that's why it is so important to call the director when you realise things are going wrong, because some of the time, it actually becomes fixable without relying on other people's judgment about what may or may not happen. Even if that's in the middle of the auction? 
You can't state in the middle of the auction because you don't know if you're defending or not. So you can't say anything. A partner does something wrong during the auction or doesn't alert something. You're not allowed to look surprised. You're not allowed to gasp. You're not allowed to go, ah, (laughs) (laughs) or whatever you do. You can't do anything. Which is about true poker face looks. Okay, all right. right. The really importantly, if you're declarer or dummy and you say what it should have been, your partner doesn't get information they can use. If yep. you are defending, you have to wait till the end of the hand. Otherwise, you are telling partners something that they are not entitled to know. Anything else, Mr. Hopefully Jones? Oh, look, I'm just wondering what it was that Patrick and I ruled against Julie. I'd have no idea, but I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure we would have done the right thing, Marianne. It is a really good one. It is. I played low towards the ace queen, and the opponent played the king, and I started to say queen. So I started to say queen, which meant that I had played it because it was a mistake. But I always call the cards ace of diamonds, queen of diamonds. I call the suit. There's a thing in the law book about full statement about what they are. And I said, I always call the full thing. So when I started to call it and I got told that I had to play it, I hadn't finished saying anything. So I should be able to correct it. I was wrong. I was probably very wrong, but no one listened to me. (laughs) (laughs) So are you saying that you should say diamond, in this case, because it is a mistake, right? They played the king and I wasn't watching and right. I started to say the Queen of Diamonds. My argument was that I was correcting it within the same breath. Nothing about breathing in the laws, but I habitually say the full thing. Not anymore. I gave up on it. Didn't do me any good whatsoever. I could have had a kinder appeal committee and certainly a kinder director. <laughs> <laughs> you two are animals. <laughs> Bailiff from Barry. Oh my goodness. Oh, I still don't remember it, but I'm sure no. that must have been what happened. I do. <laughs> Obviously. Right. I can remember a couple of appeals from years ago. One that was heard at one o'clock in the morning. I remember that. Oh, I do. I remember those. The other one was hit at the end of a Congress and it decided a fairly major event. And you don't forget. I remember making a ruling and going to an appeal committee that probably sat at one o'clock in the morning. And John Everett, who was actually really wonderful to talk to me and help me. I had a lot of people who were very good when I was just coming up as a national director and very supportive. And John Everett turned around to me and said, what on earth were you thinking about? (laughs) And I made my ruling. Well, I won't see you at the Babbage because we won't all be there. Well, I might be standby, but that's the best I'll do. (laughs) And just for both of you, I don't know if this little discussion has made me feel any better about bloody appeals. Well, well, probably it is stressful. Sorry, it really is stressful. It is something when you go in, you can ask someone to go in with you. You are with anything when it comes to this sort of process. And seek advice. Barry's a friend of court for Waikato. And at Congress, and he's available to talk to a lot of people. Patrick and I, but check which one of us might be on an appeal committee before you talk to, normally talk right. to me, 
Patrick actually goes on appeal yeah. committees more often than I do. Oh, that's right. On saying that, friends of the, what did you call it? Friends of the court. Barry, does that, um, now that we're going over to the Mount or Tauranga, do you still remain since it's not a Hamilton or do you get swapped out? They have a friend of court for each region. There'll be one for Otago, there'll be one for Waikato Bays, there'll be one for Auckland. So you'll just for... remain because we're Waikato Bays? If they ask me, they may have decided, you know, if Julie has her say, she'll say, not him. I can remember <laughs> from 1978 or whenever it was. In all fairness, because we've got Congress coming up and an important part of Bridge about what you do at the table when things go south. I'm going to make sure I really concentrate on that. Well, actually, the other thing is, I have to say, being a friend of court isn't much fun either because the whole appeal process is not designed to make people feel good. It doesn't work (laughs) Um, that way. It's argumentative. One pair's right and one pair's wrong. In some cases, we just don't know because everybody perceives what happens in a different way. So it is really, really quite hard. We do our best to provide justice, but it doesn't always work very well. I reckon that with an appeal, the best you can hope for out of an appeal is that all parties feel just a little bit grumpy. Yes, I suppose the measure of having come to the right decision tends to be in that range of people just being a little bit grumpy with you. Maybe they should change it from friends of the court to peacekeepers of the court. Well, no, because the friends of the court are trying to help, like in your case, not your case, but the people that appealed, they're trying to provide them with some idea about whether they should or they shouldn't appeal. We get cases where people really do waste a lot of time and the people that are on the appeal committee give up a lot of time not so much as we used to but you are there and we used to be there for very you know really quite late friends of the court they're usually very agitated and really upset actually one of the whole things they just want to get the whole thing off their chest tell somebody about it because they're so upset it's amazing you're like an aunt daisy yeah what Thank you, Julie. We'll leave it on that note. You like that one, Julie? <laughs> oh, oh, happy tell everybody, we're just going to score up with Aunt Daisy. I like that. <laughs> Wasn't it Aunt Daisy who said, I've got the sun shining down my back passage? <laughs> well, somebody like that, yes. Radio show. Yes, I'm pretty certain it was Aunt Daisy. All righty. We'll get you okay. next week. Right, right. Thank you. Bye. Well, that was a brilliant chat. A lot of time talking about the appeals, but it does raise a whole lot of things. Anybody that wants to know the results, it was changed. We went one off. Barry's got some other results he'd like to share. The results of the Papitoli Christmas tournament. First were Gayo Tislavol and Prem Sundra from Akarana Hawick, and they won by ooh, just a little smidgen over 1% from John Wang and Gary Chen. John O'Connor and Richard Stewart coming in third. Only nine tables I see playing in that event, Mariana. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So Wellington held the Susan Duncan pairs, and they had something like 16 or 17 tables most of the time, I think. And that was won by Nigel Kearney and Carl Hayes. I'm sure they've won it before. And they were a bit more convincing. They won by just over 8% from Paul Carson and Mindy Wu, Brian Cleaver and Pavla Fenwick with third. So, yeah, the Blue Falcon had some winners in it. Everybody that had envelope. And if I had won that bloody appeal, I could have said I won something too. It's all good experience. It's all part of the rich tapestry of life, Mariana. Absolutely. Judge Julie's segment today certainly taught me a lot more about appeals. Like I said, I can make it a focus of that, concentrating on when to correct. 
Sometimes it can be a bit awkward, particularly when partners already not feeling that flash about it. So for those of you that do go to Congress and you are thinking of appealing or you're upset or something has happened at the table, there is a friend of the court for each region. So if you're from Wellington, there'll be somebody you know from Wellington. If there's somebody from Otago, there'll be somebody you know from Otago. Their names are in the bulletin or whatever that you get at the start. So if you're thinking of appealing before you do it, go and see that person. Tell them what happened. They're there to help you out. That's it from us. Hope you've had a great New Year and are still enjoying your break. Okay, bye for now. Catch up. New Zealand Bridge, sponsoring Bridge from beginner to international, nationwide. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.